0: Coming up on Garden Talk.
1: If you have your environment dialed and you also are dialing in your feed, pH, EC, temperature, all that stuff is dialed, you, you can come out with a very nice product. doesn't matter what the line. They all have the same kind of stuff in them, just different ratios. And that's why they can put a different name on it. You can make a serum of uh, lactic acid bacteria, and that's an uh, inoculant you can use in water and, and give to your plants. You can spray lab on your plants. It'll prevent mold. And then when you water it into the soil, it breaks things down readily. The aeration I like to use, pumice. And then the second best I like to use is a hydroton clay. And then if I have to, I use perlite. You can get it to the point where you just take like the size of your pinky, you just put it in a 55 gallon drum and you just inoculated the whole drum with, with fungus, beneficial fungus. And that fungus was captured indigenous in your area, right outside.
0: What's up everybody, if you that don't know me, my name is Chris, aka Mr. Grow It, and this is Garden Talk, episode eight. This episode's guest goes by the name Beast Coast Farmers. He has been growing for over 15 years and does both indoor gardening as well as outdoor gardening. He grows a lot of vegetables, house plants, And of course that medicinal plant that we've all grown to love in this episode he reveals his gardening methods he mostly does the no-till living organics method but he also talks about some things when it comes to growing with synthetic nutrients because he does have experience using those as well some of the techniques that he talks about in this episode are a bit more advanced just a reminder that this podcast is for growers of all types beginners intermediate and advanced growers but if you are a beginner tuned into this episode there's definitely some information for you in here as well If you're watching this on YouTube, please click that thumbs up button. If you're on one of the podcast platforms, please leave a rating or review. I think on Apple podcasts, I believe we have two ratings so far. So maybe after this episode, we'll have three, I hope. Before we get into the video, I would like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor for this episode. Our sponsor for today is Organic Rev. The team at Rev sent me a sample of their organic growth stimulant. And so far, my plants love it. It's certified organic and consists of a naturally occurring source of carbon it also consists of humates and microbes. It can safely be used during all stages of growth from seed all the way to harvest. It can increase germination rates, it can increase root mass, it can reduce transplant shock, and it can make nutrients more available. Visit organicrev.com to learn more about it and also leave a link down in the description section below so you can easily click on it there. That being said, let's get into the episode. All right, Beast Coast Farmers, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. How are you, my friend? Doing good. Good. It's been a while since we last talked. We actually had a uh, conversation a few years back. I actually just reposted the conversation we had. It was me, you, and then Chris from Happy Hydro. uh, Reposted that on my channel. We actually a lot of people don't know this. We actually filmed that like I think like two years ago or something like that. Yeah, no, it's been a bit. It was a good time though. That's why I wanted to definitely follow up. You know, even though it's been a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so when I reposted that, um, got a lot of positive feedback of people in the comment section um yep. know that they got a lot of value out of that episode. So
1: Oh yeah, a lot of people had reached out to me too, you know, on Instagram. Um, you know, just, you know, just telling me that they got, you know, good information, but they also just wanted to go a little deeper and in, into like, um, you know, figure out exactly what I'm using with my soil. You know, it's cool. Not, you know, not just five people. It was like maybe about 30 people that hit me up. Wow. In DM. Yeah. You know, so you're definitely reaching a lot of people, man.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's what I hope to, to accomplish in this episode is kind of digging down to that next level of things. Um, you know exactly what you do in, in your processes. Um, yep. You know, we all grow a little bit differently, right? You have your methods. I have some methods that I do differently. Um, the people oh, are exactly. listening. They all have their individual methods and goals and so on and so forth. So that's what I kind of try to accomplish in this show or, or podcast is just yep. really um, talking one on one with growers, finding out what they do in their garden and and the listeners can listen in and potentially implement some of those best practices in their garden. So, it's been helpful so sure. far and uh definitely glad that you're back for a second second uh, time around.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it too. And it's like isn't that what we all do? You know, we see other people doing things, you know, um right, you know, but then we we take all different people's to make it our own way, you know. And yep. uh yeah, I love that, you yep.
0: know. So, for those that are just seeing you for the first time, maybe want you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into growing.
1: All right. Um you know, from a, from a young age, I was always uh, in the plant. Um, I would, I would be, you know, inspecting, inspecting them, you know, checking out their flowers, uh, real close. Um, and, uh, you know, my dad, he would, he would have a vegetable garden every year as far back as I can remember. Um, I'd admire, you know, the way you would have everything lined up, you know, everything would be healthy. Um, you know, I, I would just want to figure out how to do it myself. Um, my, my grandmother too, my Nana, uh, she would have houseplants that would live for years, you know, and look beautiful, and, I, and I'd i wondered how she would do that, too. And when I got older, I was starting to get my own um, skills, you know, in doing that stuff.
0: Nice. Yeah, my yeah. my grandmother actually grows vegetables, too, and that's I think that's one thing that's kind of strengthened the bond between me and her is that we have something to talk about, right? We talk about the vegetables growing and just growing Hell plants. Yeah. So it's really cool.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, you can take it a step further. You guys can enjoy them together. You know, you can put them at the table. You know, it's not just... You get it from a supermarket. You guys can enjoy something you grew together. It's, it's great. You know, I love that.
0: And, uh, but how I got
1: into growing though, you know, like, you know, I just from growing other things, uh, you know, and then I started growing cannabis at an early age, you know, um, I just was hooked to growing cannabis. Um, you know, I just wanted to figure out how to make the best flower for myself primarily, you know, because um, I, I didn't want to have to rely on other people to get it. Simple as that, you know, so, um, you, you know, later on, I just honed my skills in that, that way.
0: Cool. Um, So last time we talked, you were growing 100% organically, uh, primarily growing outdoors. You had mentioned that you've grown indoors in the past. Are you still growing uh, organic, no-till, living soil uh, outdoors?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. You know, um, everything I do outdoor um, is all organic. Um, I don't. I like to be conscious of you know uh, the ecosystem and, and what's going into the river or something. If I have a lot of runoff, you know, so I like to not use synthetics. I like to just use Uh, soil and and water and, and, you know, keep it simple. Um, Just like, you know, just like nature and stuff like that. Um, But indoors, um, you know, I will, I will use the synthetic indoor.
0: And I checked your Instagram. You are going indoors now. I saw some plants in there. Uh, before we hop deep into the outdoor organic side, which will primarily be this episode, um, yeah. just talk a little bit indoors. Can you just uh, maybe briefly talk about, you know, what size grow room you're in indoors, how many plants you're running, what you're using for lighting, yeah. things like that?
1: Yeah, so um, it varies. You know, I have a, an, about an 11 by 11 flower room. Um, my veg space is 10 by 10. Um, but I, with that veg space, it does a lot more than just uh, power my my flower room. Um, it, you know, I got out, you know, my outdoor locations, um, I'll veg plants up, you know, um, as big as I can get them coming into season and then put them into, um, you know, large volumes of organic soil and just let them go crazy, you know, to get what I can. As far as like um, lighting um, in that 11 by 11 flower room, I'm using LEDs, using the Fluent Spider 2 eyes. um, And I just recently bought some um, of the Spectre Pros. Um, I'm just really liking the LEDs, you know, what they're giving me. Um, structure, you know, flower structure, um, and then my veg space. Um, I'm using T5s in the cloner, T5s out of the cloner, still under T5s, and then I move them under uh, under like a 315 CMH. A couple of those to uh, ready them for the uh, for the flower room. Um, but uh, for plants, like how many plants I put into them uh, into that flower room, it'll vary. Like um, since um, you know legal plant counts 12, I like to stay at twelve, you know, nothing over twelve in flower, even though you could fill a canopy with however many, you know, small plants to fill a canopy. Um, I like to just keep it at that legal plant. So like legal plant count. So, you know, for my four lights, like a six to nine plant is where I keep it at. Nice. Not nice. not too not too big a pot either. I keep them at most, you know, six gallons, the biggest pot I go up to for indoor uh wood that synthet- wood synthetics.
0: You know. What line are you using for synthetics? Right now I'm using house
1: and garden. Um, and uh, you know you, you could literally use General Hydro A and D, you know, and if you have your environment dialed and you also are dialing in your feed, pH, EC, temperature, everything, all, all that stuff is dialed. You you can come out with a very nice product. doesn't matter what the line. They all have the same kind of stuff in them, just different ratios. And that's why they can put a different bottle, name on it.
0: Got it. So even you know? though you primarily grow organic uh, and you know you're all about organics passionate about that um yep. Yep. you still do utilize synthetic nutrients from yeah time i
1: time. do no for sure i do see a use for it indoors you know like when you're you when you're in small volumes of soil and um you know you still want the plant to be fed and progress and get bigger um say for mother or um uh, whatever production say like i was saying with my 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 uh bed space how it it does more than just power that power that one 4 by 4 flower room, you know, um, with synthetics, I'm able to achieve that, you know, I can clone hundreds of clones, however many I take off, I can have them all rooted, ready to go, and, and then I put them, in, and then outdoor, I can put that into um, an organic medium, and then it's organic after that, it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm just giving it uh, in, in, organic inputs.
0: Okay, so let's flip back to the organic side of things, let's, um, let's start from the kind of the very beginning with grow pot size, so you can talk about what grow pot size you use and what type of grow pot you use.
1: I use all all types of pots for indoor and outdoor. Indoor, in particular,ly um, for synthetics, I, use, I like to use plastic just because you can just pop them out real easily for transplant. Um, it's cleanup is real easily uh, easy. I don't like how like if you're going to use a smart pot cloth uh, with synthetics, you're going to have to um, wash the the synthetic out of the the cloth. You know, um, and if I'm with living soil. Um, I like to, I like to use a breathable pot, um, like a smart pot, um, grassroots fabric pots, uh, those rain science, you know, a lot of different kinds of breathable pots, but I just like when the air, uh, the, the roots can air prune to the sides. Um, and then also, um, it's able to, you know, breathe more, um, and dry out, not stay too wet, but for indoors for living soil, uh, like if you're going to do for, for the pot size for its last pot for it to flower in, I don't go anything less than 30 gallons, um, uh, anything less than 15 gallons. I mean, so you should do 15 or, or nothing less than that basically, because if you're going to, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to give it a synthetic or supplement with something outdoors. Um, you know, I'll, I'll use, um, one to 45 gallons, hundred to 200 gallons. Um, I like to build trenches to, and fill them up, you know, uh, um, and huge raised beds?
0: So for those that don't know, maybe you're watching my channel for the first time, I've been growing for 11 years now. And I think eight years, my first eight years was just all synthetic nutrients, three gallons, five gallon grow pots. Uh, indoors, basically my entire time, I've grown a couple outdoor plants, but I don't call myself an outdoor grower. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've slowly ventured over to the um, organic side of things. So I'm trying to wean my way off those bottles And, um, a method that I'm trying is, um, and I've been recommended, what I've been told is seven gallons at the minimum for, um, for organics. And I keep my plants very small, so that might have to do with it as well. So a technique that I'm going to try this time around is, uh, vegging out in one gallon containers, kind of shaping it the way I want to shape it. And then Shortly before flipping to flour, go into that seven gallon. That's nice. you know heavily amended with the organic nutrients, um, sure. and that way, hopefully, it makes it through most of flour, if not the entire flour. Right, kind of giving it that yeah. last super soil um, right before flipping to flour. So I'm going to see if that works, but I probably will after listening to you and and some other people. You know, fifteen whoa, whoa. gallons, thirty gallons is probably yeah, my next me, route. Then.
1: Yeah, but that's when, you know, your timing may be better than mine, you know, my timing isn't, isn't always on point, you know, so my roots are definitely bigger than the pot, you know, um, so, you know, so like, I, I love to shape a plant before it gets into that medium, like I was saying, like vegging plants indoors, I can veg them with synthetics, get them to a big, you know, big state get them into an organic medium and then they, you know, um, their vascular system can, can, um, become, you know, with organic me- uh, nutrients instead of synthetic nutrients, you know, and there is a little bit of a transition period, you know, um, but like you are saying though, um, when you take like a small, uh, a, a one gallon or something, and then right as you transplant it, you, you flower it and very shortly after that, the roots are still haven't gotten into that seven gallons. You know, it, it, there could very well be enough food for the plant. Um, especially if you do multiple of those you know um, definitely have the plants at a manageable size you know that good airflow can still be achieved Um, you know it's all about timing and stuff my like I'm saying my timing isn't always on my clones uh, aren't always as healthy as I want them when I want to put them in flower you know or or something like that so it's like I'm usually using a veg plant that I have that's been vegging for a while that I put in
0: Got it. Okay. So what is uh, actually in your mix? I do like to use my, uh, make
1: my own soil outdoor because I'm not, I don't like to buy, you know, yards and yards of some company soil. It does cost a lot, you know, um, especially when I have the things on hand um, that I could make myself. Um, so like I would start with like a base soil and you need to just source, you know, good quality earthworm castings or compost. You get that and you combine it with peat moss and some form of aeration. And um, the aeration I like to use pumice and then the second best i like to use is a hydrogen clay and then if i have to i use perlite um i the reason why i don't like using perlite too much when you buy it in quantity there's a lot of dust that i kind of need to um clean clean out uh you know so i'll use the top of the bag and then once i get towards the bottom i'm you know i'm not like dumping that the rest of it on there you know i don't want to have that dust in it um but uh yeah so i'll start with that as the uh, base soil I'll combine those three things together at a certain ratio. So like what I like to do is a um, third, third, third. So 33, 33, 33 mix um, of the, the compost, earthworm casting, peat moss, and aeration. And once I get those um, mixed together, I have a base soil. And that base soil, um, you know, depending on the quality of your earthworm castings and your compost can get you through many weeks of veg, you know, give you plenty of ve- uh, vegetative matter you require for, for flour. Um, and then, so what I do with that base soil is, is make it into super soil, you know, and I add amendments, uh, add amendments to that. The one that I use, um, and what I've been using for many years now, um, is the cladmus coots recipe. And it's a little bit of a modified one, um, which is super simple, which is like I'm saying, you start with that base soil. So, and then per cubic foot, you do this ratio, uh, per, so per cubic foot, you put a half cup of mean seed meal, a half cup of kelp meal. Uh, half cup of crab meal. And then you put a fourth cup of gypsum and then another half cup of oyster shell flour, and then two cups of basalt rock dust. And I'll mix that into uh, per cubic foot in however quantity I need. And then I'll have my super soil after I let it sit for 60 to 90 days about. Um, definitely, you know, definitely you don't want to use it before then. Did you say,
0: they, sorry, did you say 60 to 90 days you let it sit?
1: that's um especially in quantity you know if you have a small batch okay. you know in like a bin i'm sure you could get ri- get away with it being faster you know um but like when you're controlling moisture content and you gotta move move a, a big pile i mean I, 60 to 90 days is just where I, I you know before i put my plants until i'm like comfortable with the plants there with no problems you know uh, uh as, because that mix so that mix that i told you is um is a pretty uh hot mix too you know so like it, it that's that's a no-till mix because you'll be able to get you know multiple multiple runs out of it um with giving just little top dress you know um or something like that a couple other things i do like to add into it which makes it a little bit of a, the modified one is uh, insect frass, uh alfalfa meal and fish meal you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll use those sparingly with as much as I have, whether it be on the bottom of the pot before I plant or while it's already established on top. I'll kind of talk to some of that stuff on uh, sometimes. But, um, you know, as far as my mix goes, you know, you, you could use in da- inside, you know, um, you know if you, or, or just outside. Um, but outside, um, I would also add more organic matter. Whatever organic matter you can have that's been sitting around for a while, whether it be rotting wood. Um, maybe at the bottom of your pot, you know, it can just kind of retain water good and stuff. Um, you know, especially for, you know, say a huge uh, trench, you know, um, which is utilizing rotting wood um and, and culturing fungus in that wood, whether it already be in the wood, you know, um there. So outdoor, you know, the mix that I would use, it it just as much organic matter as I can get together to make the volume bigger, um to to uh, for what I need, say it be a large trench for a Hubel, you know, or or a large rage bed or something like that. Um, but I also like the bag soil too. Um, I'm not afraid to use, uh, some companies like Sto- uh, Stonington from coast of Maine, um, right out of the cloner, a lot of, uh, like any of my cuts, all, all the clones that I have that have been around for a long time, go solo cup right into Stonington, you know, water with water with, and just then for like for weeks, you can keep it in that. And they're no, with no problems, you know, um, and uh, that's why I like to use some bag soils. Another one, Roots Organic 707. I won't use it inside because um, usually it has bugs. But outside, I'll, you know, if I'm short on some quality soil, I need to veg some plants in to get them bigger early in season. I'll go buy some Roots 707 to get them into a bigger volume i not be sitting in the pot they've been in for a while. Um, uh, nectar for the gods, Sunshine 4, I've used another good one, you know, um, build the soil. I love build the soil they're light mix, they're 3.0 mix, all stuff that I'll use for sure. That's all good living soil bag. You know, before when I was, when I was growing, um, they didn't have these types of uh, bag soil. You know, there, there weren't companies that were, that were um, doing this type of stuff.
0: Got it. Let's talk about water. Which type of water do you use for your plants? RO, tap, distilled?
1: What makes most sense for my location and situation, um, I'll always use RO water um, probably for, um, with when I use synthetics, you know, I like the idea. I like the idea of just starting with just straight water, you know, nothing in it and then me being in control of what I put in it and then what the plants get, you know? So, um, you're completely steering the ship, you know, when I think about synthetics, um, when I, I use pre-filtered well water, um, at locations I'm growing organic, you know? Um, so well water's got minerals in it, um, from where you're at that, you you'd be adding to the adding to the soil or the water already so it's just you don't have to um take it out other other than like when i say pre-filter iron you know so i'll i have a pre-fil, uh, pre-iron filter before um i give that to my plants because you could definitely give too much iron to your your plants in, in water especially when you can see it when it's like brownish brownish from a couple couple uh spots but when tap water all right so like say uh it's from a town i, I don't like to use that at all just because unless it's um, pre-filtered, uh, pre-chlorine filter, so dechlorinated, because I just don't like the idea of having chlorine, um, um, in especially with organics. Um, it could, it could, you could destroy, you know, um, microorganisms. Uh, so, you know, pre-filtering your tap water, uh, especially if you're in the city, you know, because they are 100% adding chlorine to it. You know, um, if you if you take some water and res it, uh, and if you have to use tap water and you don't have a filter you could like red some water. And a, a friend told me this, you could just literally stir it with your arm and your, your skin actually takes the chlorine out of the water pretty effectively. Um, and you don't have to do it very long. You, you do it for five minutes, four or five minutes, not even, not even, and you take a large percentage, like 80% of the chlorine out of the water. So it's pretty interesting.
0: Wow.
1: Um, yeah. Right. And you just mix it with your arm, you know? Um, so someone that doesn't have the means of a uh, filter, this and that, they, you know, but you're using tap water and it has chlorine in it that's a way to take it out because your body is a better, you know, might as well. We, we filter as in the plant, um, you know, and especially not just the plant, the, the organisms that are, are working with the plant.
0: Yeah. I know. Um, so how long would you dip your hand in there? Did you say? Like,
1: well, like I'm saying, you know, like, um, say like it's a 55 gallon drum stir it around with your whole arm for four minutes. Like, and that's, okay. that's even a long time, you know, and it's obviously, you know, sitting there for four, four, four or five minutes just stirring with your arm. But it, that literally takes out about 80 plus percent of the chlorine that would come out of your tap water. And when you think about like you go into a pool and you come out and you smell like chlorine and that just, it's absorbing into your skin quite, quite quickly, you know.
0: And then the alternative ways to dechlorinate would be just to, you know, let your water sit out for 24 hours or so in light yep. is ideal. Right. And then gotcha. um,
1: some people put air
0: stones in it, too. Right. Air stones will kind of help with dechlorinate. Okay.
1: Gotcha. Yep. Um, I, I may have heard that, you know, may off gas, but I just heard, you know, I've heard if, you know, if you don't have a filter and you don't have a way of dechloring it, dechlorinating before, it, you know, just, just literally stirring it with your arm takes so much out. It's so simple. And once my friend told me that I was like, damn, I'll just, you know, I'll do that just to ensure that my plants, even plants, you know, sure. Houseplants are stirring around. You think it's nothing, but it's like you do it for a little bit. You're actually, you're actually making an effect on the water because your body, your skin is absorbing it, you know?
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. I actually tried to do a run with uh, indoor grow with tap water. Now my tap water comes out at four eighty five ppm. <laughs> and, uh, wow, wow! So that's really high. I think five yeah. over five hundred is against what EPA guidelines or something like that. So it's are like, you, are you in like safe.
1: an old are you in like an old old building or like a, a tap uh, like a city you know, city? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. It could be old pipes. You know, very old pipes maybe.
0: It must be, yeah. And I was looking at the water sample report that they release, and it's like 80 ppm sodium. So I think that's like pretty high. And that's like – it just destroyed my plants. Like my plants – I've never had – as unhealthy of plants before when i used tap water and that's even when we're de- dechlorinating so like yeah, i've been avoiding sure. i've just been using ro for now on yeah, for yeah. My sodium
1: so, yeah sodium will make your plants look terrible i'm sure you know <laughs> and then it makes you realize how how um how important your your water source is you know like your starting water you know that's when i'm thinking about synthetics it's like ro you know just oh i test it it's just zero ppm you know it's like liquid gold to me when i think about it you know because mm. you can dial you can dial it into a T it's not going to like, uh, you're not going to have many swings pH wise up and down. Know.
0: Yeah. So speaking of that, do you pH your water?
1: All right. So for synthetics, um, I always love to dial, you know, just dialing it in, knowing what they're getting. Um, you know, whether, you know, I like to know the in and out, you know, I'll even test my runoff. Um, so I do like to pH my water when I do feed synthetics, um, I, outdoors, um, depending on your starting water, you know, like if it's really high or low, like you're saying, you know, your, your town water, whatever the pH is, I'm sure they have it kicking out quite stable pH, but uh, like at my farm, um, you know, we have uh, like a 6.2 to 6.5 well water, you know, we don't have to change that at all, you know? So, yeah. um, but depending on our input that we put into that water, whether it be like a tea brew, it'll change the pH, but I'm not worried about uh, changing the pH of a tea brew, you know, something like that. You don't have to, it, it's like, there's so many buffers for organics, like in the organic medium, it's, it's, it's a buffer zone itself for, um, you know, there's so many different pH ranges happening. Um, you know, it stays in stable zone, you know, so like you can give it, you know, something that's a roundabout and it'll become stable. Um, you know, so if you're giving water to a plant and it's not a, it's not a, a living medium, then you're going to influence the, that pH very heavily just by the given, you know, it's like, um, if you water to runoff, you're resetting, um, that, that pot, you know, every time. So what, if you gave it uh, a certain pH, you're heavily going to influence it. It's, um, you know, whether it goes up or down well, water out when I make my super soil, you know, out at the, at like farm location, well, water right out of the hose, you know, right onto the, right onto it, not having to worry about pH. Cause I know that I already tested it, that it's already in my range basically. Yeah.
0: Makes
1: yeah, sense. yeah cool it is so, important for
0: sure yeah you know because
1: because if you're not in that range you know then you know things aren't happening exchanges aren't happening with the plant and, and nutrient and um yeah you could just things go really awry when you're not in the right pH zone for sure you know it's good to know it
0: okay so we talked about pot size we talked about your mix the initial amendments that you put in there kind of how you how you're doing your watering um let's talk about cover crops. So you've planted your seed. Do you do any cover crops and when do you plant them? Would you plant them at the same time or, or, or a different time or what?
1: Gotcha. Um, yeah, you know, so I, I kind of just always used, um, white Dutch clover, you know, um, it's very, readily available, easy to get, uh, buckwheat, um, another one, easy to get, um, uh, vetch, you know, uh, alfalfa, uh, so, like a couple of different kinds of clover, you can use um, red, um, crimson, medium red, um, yellow clover. You know, all good, all good ones. But uh, you know what you know what they're doing is is um, you know promoting mycorrhizal fung- fungi population. You know, and that's what you want in your meat in your organic medium. Um, when I start it, you know, so um, uh, I'll start. I'll use white Dutch clover from a solo cup. You know, um, one gallon all the way up because if the plant has not grown into the pot completely and the topsoil is not like root system when you water it you'll you'll have a disturbance of the medium um, you know and then when you start to continuously water um, it's not going to evenly water the pot so if you have a if you have that white dutch clover on the top at whatever stage of growth you have another root system for you to just water on um, you can water heavily and it's not gonna, it's, you know, it'll drain better because those root systems are penetrating down. Um, you'll just have a better, um, oxygen, oxygenation of your root zone. Um, just from having just a little bit of white like Dutch clover at whatever stage of growth. Um, but I, I use a 12 seed cover crop, um, from, from build a soil. Um, and then it can, it consists of a lot of stuff I just said, but it was, it's also got like uh cow pea. It's got, um, peas like forage peas you would eat. You know. Uh, um, the buckwheat, um, but consists of 12 different kinds of seeds. You can put, you, I, I put that in the pot prior to planting in it, um, say like a couple weeks, get everything germinated. It's all going, you know, and then even at the end of the season, you know, um, after you crop your plants, you got your, your immediate, your, your beds or whatever outside, um, primarily beds, you, you uh, you plant your cover crop in the winter to even in the winter time. And, uh, as soon as it comes the season, you know, they're not going to germinate depending on how the season goes when it thaws and stuff. But a lot of them will potentially, um, germinate as soon as the season comes, you know, so you will also plant more as the season um, is there, you know, but it's like you already put seeds there that will germinate as soon as they're able to outside naturally, you know? So at the end of the season, when it's going to go in the winter and your beds are going to be sitting there all winter plant cover crops, um, And then in the beginning of the season before you plant, plant your cover crop, you'll have when the, when the soil is barren and doesn't have any other, other uh, plants on it yet, then you, you know, you, you plant these beneficial things and then you're going to have less weeds, kind of, you know, you don't have to, um, uh, chop and dry, You don't have to choose selectively weed. You know, you already have beneficial there, um, covering, covering the ground, which will um, take competition away. The other things that would have germinated aren't able to germinate because you have a more developed plant there already, you know, so the earlier you can get a cover crop on the ground outdoor is better, you know, as early as possible. And then when the ground is really um, thawed to plant ganja, you know, then get your ganja in the ground.
0: Okay. So cover crop, uh, what about mulch layer? So, uh, you know, common practices for, for when growing organically is also to have a mulch layer on top of it. You know, uh, some people plant their cover crops and then put the mulch layer immediately over it and have the cover crop kind of grow through the mulch layer. Uh, what do you yep. use for mulch layer and how do you apply it?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, everyone's different methods, but you know, aside from my, my living cover crop, which acts as a, you know, um, a mulch layer, I like to use barley, hay, rice hulls, oak leaves you know whatever organic matter for outdoor, particularly you know whatever organic matter you can just kind of chop up put on top of your soil just to make it so the sun isn't just hitting your top soil directly it's you know it's not it's going to make it dry out faster than it should um when you can have uh any kind of any kind of cover it, it could it could even be a completely dead you know say you just put like um like those row covers um cloth i mean you know just a cloth cover and it's, and it's going to make it so just the sun isn't hitting it directly. It's just staying a little more wet, you know, more homogenous, you know, longer. That's definitely the purpose of how mulch uh, I, I know people that don't use them, but because their irrigation strategy is, you know, they're monitoring their moisture. So, you know, they're just continuously irrigating and this is primarily indoor. And when I grow outdoor, it's like, you, you, you're dealing with the sun, you know, so it's, you, you, you gotta, um, you got to use like living cover crop, you know, leaves, mulch, some, like I'm saying, any kind of organic matter that you can get together to put on top, you know, just to, just to make it uh, um, more wet because of what's what that going to do is just prevent, um, promote life. You know, you could have uh, roots growing right to the top layer. You just kind of put, pull back your, your cover crop or your, your hay or whatever. And then roots are growing right up into it. Worms are, are uh, eating things up to on top, you know.
0: Yeah, I learned the hard way Um, when I first switched to organics. Is I live in a very dry climate. I live in the desert. And, um, you know, that top soil drying out, I mean, the microbes are going dormant, right? They're not actively breaking down uh, the organic matter at that time, right? So um, me not using mulch layer, I kind of screwed myself, especially with the top dressing, right? Because you're applying the top dressing. and If you're not putting a mulch layer over it, well, then if that top layer dries out, you're not getting the breakdown and your plants are seeing deficiencies. That's what happened with me, at least um yep. so yeah the importance of a mulch layer um particularly for for someone like me you yep. know, living in such a dry climate
1: yeah you know these are you know these types of strategies that you can do with you know with you know it gives you options you know you're in a desert you know um if you're growing with you know um, a different medium you just keep on irrigating it you know that's it you just have to keep hearing you want to retain water you know watering it the least amount of times that's better that's more sustainable you know um, so, especially if you're growing food outside, you know, you'd be say irrigated at night. You're in the desert, you're irrigated at night. Because if you're if you're if you're irrigating during the day, it's a lot of evaporation happening. You know, so if you just irrigate them all throughout the night, potentially they can get through the whole day without being watered. So yeah, you know, it depends, it, it depends for sure.
0: And I think you also mentioned in a previous conversation that you also do like the cut method where you're kind of cutting down the cover crop and then laying that down. Or um, I don't know if you mentioned the, the leaves, if you do like any defoliation and, and and lay those down as a oh, yeah, co- cover yeah, crop yeah. as well. Do you do that at all? Oh, 100%. Or mulch layer, so I mean.
1: chop, Oh, definitely. So chop and drop with no-till, you know, and with using, you know, these living soil methods, you can just take all of your especially no-till method because you're utilizing worms in a, in a you know living soil system you can just take everything that just came off of that plant vegetatively and put it back into the pot or you know or bed that you use um and think about it as like the only thing that comes out of that pot is the actual nugs itself in the end you know everything else can go back into it you could chop up the, the stems everything and get it back onto there mulch it back into it you know cannabis uh, stem mulch is you know best especially if it was or grown organically you know um and uh so like we are referring to um say like your mulch uh grows up too much you know it's getting uh, out of control starting to grow up to you know and starting to imp- uh, make airflow restrict airflow you could cut it back to a, a, a manageable level and then you could take all of that organic matter um put it underneath the living uh cover crop and then um it's going to stay wet it's going to stay green for weeks literally um and and worms will be able to have an opportunity to uh to feed on it for that time instead of it say it be on barren soil top soil and say the sun's hitting it not indoors sun hitting it it'll turn into carbon you know it'll it'll lose its moisture and and become like a dry crinkled leaf so quick you know instead of you just putting it under something you can literally just put under a rock like i'll take like a lot of chop and drop, like say, like uh, leaves I take off the plant, and I'll just take like uh, one of the rocks I have in the alleyway, I'll just put it underneath that, you know, and that's just worm food, you know, and, and within a few weeks, it's already earthworm gases, it's already turned to, you know, turned to um, soil.
0: What type of worms do you use? Na- you know, the native worms
1: in my area, I like to think about it as I'm creating a, you know, a, uh, somewhere for them to live, you know, like my, uh, um, my dug beds my hugel mounds uh my raised beds they all are like connected to the earth and have a way of native native uh uh, worms to come into it and i don't even have to buy worms or or add any worms you know but if i I have bought worms and the only ones that i have bought are red wigglers you know so um those are really good living soil system basically you only have to you know if you want to uh buy stuff for a living soil uh for indoors all you really need is just red wigglers but you can diversify it and go outside and go get some stuff like you're going to go fishing and you go get some worms outside and then you bring them inside so you have a worm bin and then you put them in your worm bin and now you're diversifying your your wor- you know your worms
0: yeah and then there's also what the night crawler is. so the, the red wigglers is kind of up top soil and then the night crawler is kind of lower part of the soil yeah
1: yeah uh, yeah I forgot to say African nightcrawlers, you know, that's another great one. They definitely are able to, um, to get, you know, deep, you know, they're, they're fat. Some of them look like snakes, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, African nightcrawlers, well, those, you know, those two for sure. The red, red wigglers and the African nightcrawlers. And like I'm saying, any native worm that can, that can come and live there. That's beneficial. I mean, so, yeah.
0: So I know you already kind of said a little bit of advice, but do you have any uh, advice for somebody who's just trying out worms for the first time, maybe, you know, is there a specific amount they should use for a size grow pot or or what?
1: Yeah, like uh say like you're putting uh worms um into a 15 gallon soil, 15 like a handful, and that's like a perfect amount, you know, that and especially if that soil is, you know, good living soil system where they're able to proliferate and, and you know, um, and reproduce and and those eggs are, you know, they're not just going to, you're not going to water something on, it's going to kill everything. Uh, I mean, if you're going to start out new, you know, try and have a worm bin, you know, because then you can buy worms and then you, you know, like I'm saying, other than just your, your, your pots you're growing in, you could have um, them reproducing and you could just take kitchen scraps and, uh, you know, have them make soil. Um, You know, if you're, if you're using, if you're going to start out using worms, it's great. You're just going to be building soil for yourself. Uh, no, um, yeah, I love worms.
0: Okay, let's flip over and talk about IPM. I know you really like to talk about IPM. In our last conversation, you talked quite a bit about IPM. What do you do for IPM?
1: Uh, I like to incorporate, you know, beneficial insects. Um, uh, like another, like again, you know, I like to have the beneficial insects of my area come and inhabit, you know, my um, my garden and in, i in, uh, invite them in you know um I, so i don't have to order them basically so like mantis ladybugs um pirate beetles you know lace wings predator other different kinds of predator mites as far as sprays go you know uh, outdoor I'll, I'll use like uh, aloe vera flakes neem oil um oil um yucca for fighting like a, a pest i'll use the karanja oil and the neem oil as like a like right away, it'll kill them. You know, it's like direct, um, I'll, I'll prune everything off the plant and then I'll hit them with, I'll hit them with that Karanja and me. Um, but if I'm not and I'm just kind of doing preventative spray, you know, you know, to prevent, uh, pests and mold, it's always like a, uh, flake, um, with yucca, uh, which is just a wetting agent, you know, just so things stay wetter longer. Um, so I think of it and, um, and it's like, you're just kind of washing them down. Um, periodically whenever you want you know you can put be on your own schedule um your own ipm ipm schedule for your outdoor plants just kind of wash them down with aloe um indoors i i spray a couple things 203 and 209 from sns um i'll also root drench a couple of those whenever a problem like if i have like fungus gnats i'll 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 root drench 209 for like a whole week and i'll uh i'll i'll eliminate the fungus gnats for for, for synthetics, you know indoors um, I know J plant for outdoor J plant speaker, he'll spray, um, periodically, uh, EM five from build the soil, um, you know, which is, keeps things very sterile, um, and it's organic. Um, so he'll do that all throughout his processes until he gets the flower, which then he doesn't, doesn't uh, spray anything. And I feel the same way. I don't like to spray anything in flowers. Like your IPM is the preventative, you know, preventative for that, um, proper pruning air movement. You know, that's crucial, you know, uh that's all that's part of an IPM regimen. You know, um periodically making sure there's enough airflow um and and your air quality and your spaces are are adequate for the plant's health and stuff like that. It's 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 super crucial. Um indoors, I'll spray plants with uh citric acid. Um you can make your own solution of it, but I like to just use uh the big time exterminator, which is just basically citric acid dilute, you know, uh, and that i've 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 used that i've killed thrips i've killed um aphids uh on clones which i took from outdoor brought them in um and they and then after a couple weeks i see i see thrips and stuff on them i'll spray them with that with that uh uh, citric acid uh every day for two weeks and uh like i'm like i'm power washing the plant and i'm and and I, i get them good you know with that stuff you know so that's another good uh another good thing to use that the plants aren't gonna be negatively uh affected by and you can douse them with uh with a dilute citric acid. You definitely don't want to be, you know, used too much. That's why I use uh the big time exterminator. You know, they're doing the dilution for me. I don't have to put any uh you know, I don't have to dilute it myself and, and fuck up, you know, something like that.
0: Got it. Now are you are you rotating these sprays? So you're doing it like a different spray. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: For sure. Yeah. Like um yeah, all those ones I listed, you know, I'll 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 uh I'll switch it up. Um, and, and, uh, you know, when I switch it up, I I'm not running into problems. You know, the only problem I run into indoors is just a couple like gnats, you know, or, or something like that, which a lot of growers can have problems with, but I use nematodes and, uh, and uh, a couple sprays to get rid of them quickly. You know, um, one other thing I use for an IPM is that captain Jack dead bug. Uh, you know, that's a good thing. I like to have things that I can just spray all over the plant and it's not going to negatively affect it. Uh, you know, um, even though I, I did list uh, that neem and karanja, you 100% can use too much. You know, you want to use be sparing. You want to just think about it as you're, um, you're, you're kind of putting a sunscreen on your, your plant um, and the and, and then a, uh, an insect or something won't enjoy it if they come and try and eat it something like that. You know, you don't want to put too much because if you use too much oil, sun is hitting it and you put too much oil, you could burn your plant just from the sun magnifying against it, you know. And especially when it's in water, so water and oil, and then the sun, you're literally just magnifying it on, on the leaf, it'll burn it.
0: Okay, so we talked about how you, you, you have that initial mix and you're adding the amendments, it's super soil, right? And and, and yep. uh, you, you're you trying to get through the entire grow um, with just that super soil. Now, do you do any type of top dressings throughout the grow at all? If so, when do you apply them and what do they consist of?
1: I apply worm casting to plants at, all stages you know uh quality earthworm castings i'll just put it right on the top soil and water them in real good um like i'm saying at any stage all the way to the end of flower if i want you know top you know earth earth earthworm castings are great um top dress i top dress compost and i'll water that in real good um i use bio live um down to earth fertilizers you know that's uh that's super simple um top dress that on i'll do that like when i transplant like maybe after like three weeks into flower i'll, I'll you know i'll uh hit i'll put some bio on top uh, it just consists of like it's fishbone meal um fish meal alfalfa meal crab meal shrimp meal langbanite and kelp you know so just a bunch of organic stuff whatever you have laying around when you start buying you know uh, a lot of bags uh, of organ of organic amendments, to make your super soil. You're gonna have a lot of extra stuff. So, um, you know, whatever's laying around at a time, you can you can kind of give them a little boost and top dress that on when when it's needed when they're when they're kind of asking for it.
0: Got it. So you just kind of look at the plant, kind of read the plant. Maybe you see it fades a little bit, and then and then you definitely. apply it at that point. Okay.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, it's, and, and depending on the stage, you know, just depending where they're supposed to be, you know, where um, what I know where they're supposed to be. Um, at certain stages of flower or veg, um, and, uh, and like I'm saying, like I'll top dress when I, like, af- when I trans, when I freshly transplant or say if something has been sitting in a pot for a long time and its roots have taken it up, i definitely have to get something on top, um, for it to start feeding again. Cause, the, um, the ganja plant's root system, uh, it's like a, it's like a upside down, um, iceberg. It's feeder roots are all on top. I, when you have it in a pot, it's like, it's, re- it'll like take up the pot. But if it was on the ground, it would just spread out, like spread right out. It'll, it'll penetrate pretty good. So, um, all right, a clone will penetrate the ground 14 inches and a, and a uh, seed will penetrate into the ground 36 inches. And that's because of the tap root. And, um, you know, so you think of a, uh, like, oh, well, I have a pot that's long, you know, bigger than 36 inches and went all the way to the bottom. That's, those are feeder roots that would have been on the top and they literally just go down, you know, they're in a pot, they're in a pot and they're restricted it's being restricted in all all you know all directions so it has to compensate for that.
0: Now do you incorporate any sugars into your garden?
1: I don't I mean I use molasses sometimes but you know someone said to me like oh that's like putting tar all uh, over your garden you know I I understand when you use too much of it but I know people that use it sparingly and have good results you know so sometimes I will use it when I want to see a fattening in flower you know to give a boost to the population of microbes you know cuz those are what's going to work for me so that's the that's the the reason for using a sugar you know as a food source you know um but it, it's like I, there's uh, other food sources other than you know I I just I haven't d- dived into using others uh, other kinds of sugars um one thing I I do use is brown sugar but I use it to um to uh make korean natural farming inputs so KNF uh like fpj um ferment, fermented plant juice or making um Uh, fish amino acid FAA. So you you know, you could just take fish, you know, or plant, and you weigh them out, and then you add brown sugar. And uh, the brown sugar is taking out the water out of that, you know, so, you know, I'm I'm using it, I'm utilizing the osmotic pressure of that sugar. But then I am also you. it'll act as a food source, you know, for, for microbes when I water that in as well but uh, not primarily straight brown sugar. You know, I won't just put brown sugar in the water and that water that in. So, you know, molasses and, and the brown sugar from my uh, KNF input. So the only two sugars I use.
0: Gotcha. Yep. Now, what about microbial inoculants? Do you use any of those?
1: Um, I like Rootwise Organics um, in, for indoors. Great white, mammoth microbe, at, you know, Azo, um, EM1. EM1 is, uh, is lactic acid bacteria. Well, not just lactic acid bacteria, but, um, you know, that's another thing I'll add. I'll make my own lab. Um, you can take, you can take uh, unpasteurized milk, right, you know, right out of the cow and you mix it with uh, water that you had, uh, you, you take rice, you, you wash the rice off, you wash the, wash the starch off the rice and you take that rice wash water and you mix it with the, the unpasteurized milk and uh, you can, you can make a serum of uh, lactic acid bacteria. And that's uh, inoculant you can use in water and, and give to your plants. You could spray lab on your plants. It'll prevent mold. And then when you water it into the soil, it breaks things down readily. Um, and uh, it, think about it as like utilizing the stomach of the of the cow. Um, it's bacteria. It has like five stomachs, and it has these, these lactic acid bacteria. You know, in its stomachs is same thing as us. But you know we have Lactic acid, but they also have, they have five stomachs of it. You know, so you're utilizing what that does in its stomach in water, and then you put it over on your soil, and it helps break things, helps break organic matter down into a soluble form for plants. Um, the other K inputs I'll do, you know, um, which I learned from online um, Chris, uh, through Chris Trump uh, are uh, IMO one through five. So you'll take indigenous microorganisms um, which is fungus, uh, bacteria living, living in your, you know, outside in nature, um, and you'll, you'll capture it and you'll get that into a state that you can then, um, put into water, which then, you know, makes the spores go into solution and then you water that in. So, um, that, those methods are, 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 um, Th- something i'm very new to the, the imo one through five i haven't dived into it i just know a lot about them, and the way i even know a lot about them, i just literally go on youtube and go to chris trump's uh youtube and and i'm taking notes on it you know um until i get my own experience you know um getting good at it um but you can get it to the point where you just take like a size of your pinky you just put it in a 55 gallon drum and you just inoculated the whole drum with with fungus beneficial fungus you know and that fungus was captured indigenous in your area right outside if you have like a f- field or something um and, and underneath a tree that that you go and you you look under some leaves it's, it's nice white mycelium growing that's the stuff you know you can get that in your own grow room um not just outside because that's the best types of microbes you can use is, is what's in your area that grows best in your climate uh, another another kind of inoculant though you know i'll take freshly picked mushrooms i got like beach mushrooms that are growing um kind of in a low low area on my property. Um, and I'll just take those fresh, I'll put them in a, a tea bag that I'll like, I would brew uh, a compost tea in, and I'll just soak those 24 hours, very heavily aerated. Um, and then just water that all over, all over the bed. And then I'll take what's in the bag and I'll just mulch that on the top layer. You know, I'll take that, all those chopped up, uh, mushrooms. I harvested a couple a few days, you know, yesterday, and then just mulch that all over the topsoil. Um, I've seen, uh, you know, big blooms of, of mycelium come after I do that.
0: So co- aerated compost teas, let's talk a little bit more, more about that. What aerated compost teas do you use? Do you do any like nutrient teas, spree- seed starter teas, anything like that?
1: I, I like to do compost tea um, in particular. Um, I'll take earthworm castings. I'll take nice quality compost and just uh, make a nice aerated tea with just those things, you know, because that's that's a real benefit. You know, whenever... Um, you, you, you can brew it up. You say you want to do it two to three times a week um, and you, can, you, you don't have to do the same tea every time. You could do just compost. Say you do another tea, tea brew of, um, of uh, you throw some uh, mineral in there, you know, you put salt, you put oyster shell flour, you could, you, you could put some kelp or whatever, like I'm saying, whatever you ha- want to put um, in small amounts and brew it up into solution. Um, but another thing with, with brewing is uh, the time you do it, because you don't want it to go anaerobic and it can go anaerobic really quick on you. So say you brew it for say over 24 hours. And I don't like to do brews more than 24 hours. Now, now that I learned that type of stuff, um, uh, you brew it and then you stop the aeration, you don't feed it and you let it sit there for not even a day. It is very heavily anaerobic. Um, you know, and, and, uh, you can make things go awry in your soil system with, with giving them large volumes of anaerobic tea, you know, um, or if it's too concentrated and you don't dilute it, I'll definitely make a tea and then dilute that and then give it to them. As far as sprouted seed teas, um, I haven't I haven't used sprouted seed teas much. Um, at if you know, if not at all, I've taken some corn and and uh, and done some stuff with corn. But um, I, I've just heard that it can um, negatively affect uh, fungus. Um, it's definitely um, going to help the, the the root system because it's sending sending signals. Um, with enzymes that those, those, those seeds had, but you could, with the, with the possibility of it negatively affecting, you know, what I'm trying, a population of fungus that I'm trying to promote and, and have live. you know, I just don't try it, you know, um, I may try it on small volumes of soil, like 30 gallons and I'll, I'll brew some seed and I still haven't done it in all my experience. You know, I, um, I just know you could pop seed, you know, sprout a bunch of corn or sprout seeds blend them up and then give them the plants and 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 it helps them um i have friends that do it and tell me it gives them bigger buds and like i said but then i have people that tell me it it negatively affects their their fungus that's just why i'm hesitant to do that but as far as other oxygenated uh compost teas fungal fungal teas you want that type of stuff to as often as you can do it like two to three times a week is a good time is a good amount a lot you know um uh, and and sparingly you don't have to root drench you can just give a little bit to them just to keep the, uh, the soil moist one more thing about the teas. um so sure. I, I was looking you know i'm building a tea brewer right now and um i see a lot of people on the market inflating the called the volcano um style which is like you just it's a the big bubble tech tech and it just sends a, a big you know um, amount of air from the bottom up instead of um doing you know which is another another kind is the site cy- the cyclone you know um there's more moving parts to that cyclone um tea brewer um that you'd have to clean or 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 whatever but um the volcano one uh less moving parts um and it and it brings you to dissolved oxygen levels faster so those that's what i'm looking into i'm, I'm just retrofitting a v bottom i already have um with a couple things um, uh, so I went to SynergyAgPro.com, uh, which took me a little bit of time to find this. And they have a stainless steel manifold, uh, that goes, um, with, uh, with clamps on the bottom of your, uh, your V bottom. And, uh, and then you can hook up, you know, a, a diaphragm pump to that as well as a air pump. And, um, uh, in particular, you want to use diaphragm pump because if you use another pump with a propeller, you can, you can, um negatively affect the microbes you just brewed and uh so you could negatively affect them while you're pumping them to your plants if you're not using a a diaphragm pump and you're using a pump with a propeller you know it'll just chop the little guys up real good (laughs) i I just recently i just recently learned that too which is pretty intriguing
0: yeah that is interesting
1: yeah you know diaphragm Mm -hmm. pump diaphragm pump when you're feeding your when you're feeding a uh, compost tea you know or you uh um you know, do something by gravity or hand feed it or something like that.
0: So I have a viewer question from the last episode that we um, we filmed. Uh, you were talking about a geodesic dome that you were just purchasing, purchasing at the time. So uh, yep. first off, if you can just explain to the viewers what a geodesic dome is and then also how you utilized it, how it turned out for you.
1: The geodesic dome, you know, it's a dome made from triangles. And uh, that structure itself is, is super strong. Uh, very, very, you know, it can take a snow load, uh, A snow load. Um, that's why people like using for greenhouses, you know? Um, so say my, mine is rated for a hundred feet of snow. It's rated for the, uh, an Alaskan snow load where the snow would fall and not melt and then continue to snow, you know? Um, so the geodesic dome is just super, very nice, strong structure. And then I have the polycarbonate plates uh, on the outside of it. So it it's rated for 25 years. Some people, when they have their polyethylene hoop houses, you got to replace it sometimes every season. Maybe if you can get by, maybe three years, two to three years, and then you're replacing your plastic. I like the idea of it being, you know, me use, buying the extra investment and putting down for polycarbonate. And then I um, I don't have to replace that for 25 years. I just clean the panels off uh, on the outside and the inside and keep them, uh, you know, quality. I haven't been posting much about it. The town that I that we're growing in, um, just kind of gave us a hard time when we were first starting out, you know, they saw a lot of plants, um, and they came, they came knocking basically, you know, and they're all hemp plants though. Um, but, uh, I just haven't been posting for for that reason. You know, we're kind of keeping it on the DL. Um, I will be posting about it in the future. Um, once, once we're more comfortable, we're doing a lot of retrofitting, uh, soon with that, with it, um, we're, we're going to be installing agnetics lights with, um, either radiantly heated beds or um, benches and uh, which are really cool because um, those those that will help uh, heat the environment as well you know so um, we're we're excited for those retrofits um, soon but uh, yeah hopefully down the road um, I'll be able to post more about it um, on my Instagram but also I'll be having you know a YouTube that I'll be uh, I'll be doing that'll be primarily about the hemp Um, so people can look forward to that about the geodome.
0: All right. A few more questions and then I'll let you go. So what advice do you have for growers who are, are just getting started with organics?
1: It's definitely the, the laid back form, you know, of growing. Um, you know, you have more of, more of a buffer zone. You know, you could kind of mess something up and it's not as detrimental as growing with with uh, salts, you know. So that's a good good thing about, you know, going down this, this rabbit hole kind of. Um, but you don't want to you don't want to go into it thinking you know everything. Um, you know things could be going well, but then you're presented with something that's foreign and you're just not ready. You know, so um, you definitely want to kind of wrap your head around everything that could, um, what's going on, what could happen, because um, uh, scaling it is is tough. You know, doing it on a small scale is um, the way really doable, but doing organics on a large scale, you need to you need to be on your toes for sure. Um, but it could be the very laid back, you know, for. For growing it on a small scale and be the, the style that people want you know to get it on cruise control though like yeah like you need to wrap your head around it because that's what it can be you know it can be you just you're just watering it and you don't have to be doing much ph and of anything and it can give you more time to do other stuff so you know and, and maybe check out chris trump you know on uh, on youtube because uh he's, he's one of like a mentor and, and someone that, that, um, even me, you know, with all my experience, I'm just learning so much from every day. I take so many notes and I still need to, uh, get into, um, that, um, K uh, techniques more, you know, cause they can be so beneficial. Um, and also maybe follow build the soil on Instagram, um, check their website out so much free information, everything you could want to start out as a, you know, a home grower. Uh, you could just get shipped right to your house, you know, and, um, which is great. You know, that you ne- never was uh, an option in the past, um, to be, to do this organic stuff, you'd have to really look into it and, and, uh, figure things out yourself, which is tough. Um, so checking these, those dudes out, it would, would give you a real, um, one up for sure.
0: That's really good advice. Really yeah. good advice. So, um, how can listeners find you and what do you have upcoming in the future?
1: All right. Well, uh, you can, you know, uh, reach out to me on, on my Instagram, East coast farmers. Um, at East Coast Farmers on Instagram, DM me anytime. Um, you could. Uh, I'm gonna have a website up pretty soon. I'll be selling uh, apparel, um, you know, grinders, you know, these kinds of sweatshirts on it. Um, Coast uh, And yeah, you know, I'll, and then another thing, the YouTube channel, which I'll have a little bit down the road, hopefully this year, about the about the hemp and the geodesic dome. Now, um, you know, you could just look up East Coast Farmers on YouTube. You know, we'll we'll have it. Um, And thanks to you, you just type in Beast Coast Farmers, yours is the first one that pops up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, hell yeah. Cool. Alrighty. Well, uh, Beast Coast Farmers, thank you so much for coming on to my show for, um, well, actually, this is the first time we're coming on to this show, but we had a conversation before. Thank you so much for coming on. Whole wealth of information. We covered uh, a lot this time around. Um, So thank you so much. Everybody who's watching, I will leave a link to his Instagram down in the description section below. So head on over there, give him a follow. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Any final words? I just
1: want to thank you, you know, having me on here. It's a, you know, great opportunity. I like the idea of, you know, reaching so many people and uh, getting, you know, good information out there. You know, I got it from others, individuals that are, you know, trying to give free information out there like myself too, you know, so um, we just keep passing that along and uh, hopefully we we see a change happen, you know, um, in our community for the better, you know, and I, I, yeah, but it just, you know, I appreciate you having me on here, man. And you're you're doing, you know, good things with your YouTube and stuff
0: thank you thank you no of course all right man have a good one take care all right man yeah take it easy thank you so much for tuning into this episode of garden talk i hope you gained some value from it please leave a rating and review if you haven't done so already it helps new listeners find the podcast and it helps the ranking so thanks for taking the time to do that and i will leave it at that until next time peace